This is Creators in Vietnam with Tuesi and Moni. We aim to inspire you on your journey by interviewing creative entrepreneurs across Vietnam who make a positive impact on their community and their own lives. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. In this episode, we have the pleasure to welcome Cam Vung or Sava. She's the creator of From Saigon to Saigon, which is a charity that saw the light of day during the intense Saigon lockdown that we had in the middle of this year, 2021. This charity was organically created and meant as an emergency response to provide food for the impoverished neighborhood of Saigon. The team quickly went from only her to 40 people volunteering full-time their kind heart and energy for more than three months. This emotional retelling of her charitable journey in this interview really reflects the sense of community that Vietnam has displayed throughout this pandemic. And we follow her sentiment in wishing that Vietnam never, ever gets to experience a lockdown like this ever again. So we invite you to dive deeper and discover Kamvan's incredible and candid life story, not just the charity, but her upbringing and everything else in this emotional episode full of good vibes and laughter. So enjoy. Welcome everybody back to Creators in Vietnam. Today, this is Moni hosting and I'm with Tracy, Hello. my co-host. And uh, our guest today is Kamvan or Sava. Hi, welcome to the show. Thank you, Moni. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you for inviting me to your show. Welcome, welcome. Welcome. So Kamban founded Saigon to Saigon during the strict lockdown uh, of Ho Chi Minh this year. And we want to know more about this initiative where she reached underprivileged families during this strict lockdown to provide them food and other supplies. Yes. So, yeah, we are very curious to learn more very about excited. how to start a charity during a strict lockdown and what it takes to do all of that logistics, supplies, talking to people. Mm-hmm. But first, let's learn about Kamban as a person, her background. So tell us more about, yeah, your upbringing. You are like a true Saigonese. So yes. share um, us more about Thank you. I'm a proud Saigonese. Yes. So I was born and raised here. But then I moved to other countries during my middle school year. And then went back and forth to Vietnam and then to other countries. So basically I grew up here in Vietnam and then in Australia, UK, and then the US. I went to the university in the US. And then as soon as I graduate from school in the U.S., I moved to South Africa. Oh, nice. Yeah, <laughs> and I did my first volunteer, big volunteer work there. And then I decided, okay, if I really want to help people, I need to feed myself first. <laughs> so I decided to go back to school yeah. and study to become an actuary. So I became a, a certified actuary. I worked in actuary and financial sector for a couple of years mm-hmm. so that I get myself to where I can be comfortable, taking care of myself and my family. My parents don't have to worry about me being starving. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this gives me liberty to help out other people when I want to. So that's a little bit of my story. Yeah, um, it's often like that, I guess, that we have to secure ourselves yep. first before we venture into bigger initiatives in serving others um curious to hear like you said 
charity was always part of your life mm-hmm. since high school. So I would like to learn more what kind of charities you did during high school, but also a little bit more about what you did in South Africa, maybe. Okay. So I went to a uh, part of my high school. I went to um, this school in the state, in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. And I became a volunteer almost instantly because in that region, there's a lot of Hmong. Um, it's an yeah. ethnic of Vietnamese people yes. who oh, really? um, came to the state as refugee. And so in that oh, area, there's uh, a few family of the Hmong people who just came to the state and they face with so much struggle, you know, language barrier, culture barrier. I was lucky. I was hosted by amazing American parents who were very much into helping community. Mm-hmm. So I came with them and helped them with the paperwork, you know, very tedious stuff like insurance, paperwork for, for yeah. their car, and then teaching their high school girl math, you know, just tutor her um, every th- three nights. Yeah. And so that's how it started. I always wanted to help other people when I can. So that's starting from high school. And these people are actually still a big part of my life. You know, yeah. they're oh, yeah, yeah, still in very good touch. And uh, that little girl that I tutor, she's now become very successful financial um, planner in the state. Oh, oh my God. Good. Yeah, working for Fidelity Investment. It yeah. must bring you so much joy to see uh, that. I'm so proud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Be, yeah, so that's my high school. But, you know, I start with tutoring, helping people here and there a little bit. South Africa is a different story. It's a bigger story. So why I went there it is because I went to the school called Wake Forest University in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And the school encouraged all of the students to do community service, helping other people mm-hmm. out. The motto is pro-humanity. Mm-hmm. So during winter break, my first two years in that school, I organized a volunteer trip to, of course, to Vietnam. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> take them to Cang Tha, creative projects so that they can hang out with the local, painting the school. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah, and also it's a chance to promote Vietnam. Of course. You know, I love Vietnam so much. Yeah, I always yeah. want to promote <laughs> Vietnam to yeah, my yeah. friends. And then my last year in school in Adwek Forest, I had a chance to go to South Africa. So during the winter break, we went there for like uh, three weeks. And our mission at that time was to teach very, very basic computer knowledge to the adult of a poor background people. And so we went there for three weeks. We teach for about 10 days. The rest of the trip, we travel around South Africa to appreciate the beauty of the country. It's gorgeous, by the way. Mm-hmm. So when I came back, to the States to finish my last semester, something always stuck in my head. I think it's such a great initiative, but you know, to teach computer literacy, you, you cannot teach someone computer in, in 10 days. Yes. Yeah. It's very basic skill, like turn on and off, how to type and all that. Mm-hmm. But then if we are not there, then they don't have exposed to, to computer, they don't have programs that they can be enrolled and study for free. And so as soon as I graduate, during my last semester, I emailed different uh, people. And finally, this university there is called Stellenbosch University. Mm-hmm. It's near, it's 45 minutes from Cape Town. They allowed me to come and stay at the dorm. And I just graduated from Wake Forest and then I packed my stuff and I went to <laughs> South Africa against 
you know, my parents crying, you know. Uh, <laughs> I feel so terrible thinking about it now. But yeah. thinking back, you know, you're 21, 22, you're a girl. You go there by yourself. Uh, of course, your, your parents would be very, very scared. So anyway, I went there. <laughs> and yeah, I, I basically fundraised. I worked with Stellenbosch University to provide workshop in math and physics for high school teacher there because yeah. there's a shortage of science teacher in South Africa. Mm. Ah. And so I went there and helped them, um, giving them workshop to reinforce the, the knowledge and the skill. And then during that time, I also just talked with different people and people that are lovely and fundraised mm -hmm. um, to build two computer labs there and then connect with Stellenbosch University so that I can create this program and be it become very self-sustainable. Oh, because amazing. the students, the volunteer, or the students are from Stellenbosch University mm -hmm. can volunteer and teach yes. the, the, the people in need uh, of basic mm -hmm. computer skill. And after they finish the course, very short course, but they learn how to type, right? Mm -hmm. After they finish a the course, they can get a certificate. They can take that certificate and apply for a job. Oh, nice. And actually, I ran into one of my first students from my first trip. And he, he saw me and then we started crying immediately. Oh, He's no. like, I got a job, mom. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, that was so incredible. So, so, nice. so actually, yeah. from there, that's mm. uh, when I learned about the power of uh, education. Yeah. yeah. So education and charity is always in my heart from mm. that moment on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This yeah. is very beautiful. Thank yeah. you. Had goosebumps. <laughs> that story with the, the yeah, no, that's very nice. I mean, it's so amazing that you explored this so early in your life that mm -hmm. you actually want to do charity through education. And when I had no idea what I was doing, to be <laughs> honest, you know. But, but so that was like this. It was a calling. Like you wanted to help yeah. people. Like it wasn't like for you. Like oh, it's gonna be my career or anything like this. No, it was just like not. you saw someone that you could help, and you were like, I want to help and you actually had the structure to to put that in place, which is amazing at such a young age. I would say I just go for it. And mm -hmm. along the way, I meet so many people yeah, who man. want to help me. Um, yeah. I tell you more because I've experienced the same thing when I create uh, From Saigon to Saigon. Yeah. But actually, the experience I had from South Africa was so powerful. It impacted me in so many ways. So first of all, I because I came there without any financial plan, <laughs> I just graduate, right? So I don't yeah. have really any saving. My family is not, my family is doing okay, so they can support me. However, because I went there against everyone's <laughs> wish, <laughs> yeah. um, so I was stubborn. I, I did not want to ask for any help. So that also means that there was time that I did not have any money. Mm. So there was time I actually faced hunger. There was day I had no money, no food. So I would go to the corner of um, the street down um, next to the dorm of Stellenbosch University. And there was a big McDonald's there. Mm -hmm. And I just stood there and, you know, they were grilling the, the burger. Burgers. And I just stood there and sniffed sniff oh. the smoke like, until I, I got full and sick of it. And I would go home. Oh, shit. So those are the yeah. days that I face uh, hunger. That's when... That's why from Saigon to Saigon, um, I know that I must do something because I know that there are people hungry out there. From my personal experience in South Africa, even though I face hunger, 
However, I know that there's a way out. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, if needed, I can ask my parents, "Hey, yeah. Yeah. can you just transfer me some money?" Or, you know, my colleagues and my friends from South Africa, they they would take me in and, mm-hmm. and support me. At least give me a shelter, give me some food. It's not a big deal for them. It's yeah. a big deal for me. Yeah. So from that experience, I became very thankful to food. I love food from that day. <laughs> and I, you know, learned to know to, okay, if I want to help other people, I need to be able to feed myself first. I need to be able to not making my parents so worry about me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I need to do something about my life first before I can reach out and take care of other people. Yeah, that's actually important. Some people approach charity without actually being financially stable themselves. And of course, we want to make an impact. We want Mm -hmm. to help others. But when we are not stable ourselves, we can only give half of that help. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Than than what actually we want to. (laughs) (laughs) I want to do charity, but I can't help myself. (laughs) You have to help yourself before you can help others in, yeah, in a way. You have, you have to, to have that stability. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to take care of yourself first. Yeah. Um, make sure that your family is okay. Yes, yes. You need to have that stability in your oh, family. For sure. Family is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. You need to have that stability first before you can reach out and take care of other people yeah, who yeah. I need. I, I had this pattern in life where... For me, helping others was a way to not help myself. And that was, that was coming in a very selfish position where it's like let me forget about my own problems mm. by trying to solve others problems but then it's not the right equation because <laughs> yeah. it's not with the right intention and the energy giving is not the right one so also I you used cannot to be like help this. as much yeah. because you know you're not in the position that you can just okay you don't have to worry about anything else mm-hmm. now you can give 100% 20% of yourself to something else yeah. some other one that you want to help right mm-hmm. so as much as we here like to help people, if we're not taking care of ourselves properly, we cannot help people, other people properly either. Yeah, and it's it, it's applicable to any aspect of our life, whether it's about charity, work for our loved mm-hmm. ones, friends, mm-hmm. everybody. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that what that was my hard lesson in life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> 21, 22 years old, I'm like, okay, man, I need to go back to school and feed myself first. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And and how, yeah, like what? How did you grow then personally since that From experience? Then? Yeah. Okay, so this sounds a bit twisted, but because I was very focused on, I know what I want to do. I want to help other people. Mm-hmm. But my experience in South Africa teach me that I, I really need to be well myself first. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, I need to get rich first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a wrong approach, but that was my way of, uh, yeah. of thinking at that time. I was quite immature. So I'm like, okay, what can I do to, to be financial well as soon as I can? And then so I'm like, okay, what am I good at? So I'm always good at math. At Wake Forest, my major was uh, mathematical economics. And Hands so, down. <laughs> <laughs> I just like I just like numbers. Yeah, that yeah. sounds very nerdy, but I, I do mm-hmm. like numbers. They're very uh, uh, it's just straightforward. Mm-hmm. And then um, so I'm like, okay. So I do a little bit of research, and then I'm like, okay, actuary to become an actuary. It's a it's a decent profession. 
and I can earn very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just have to pass a bunch of exam. That's the most simple way to say it. But yeah. holy cow, the exams are tough. Yeah, what's yeah. what's an actuary? Sorry, the the the, the simple question here. <laughs> so actuary, yeah. you basically work with risk. You'll find a lot of them in insurance uh, business. I see. Yes, because these are the people who deal with risk modeling. I see. They have uh. to be super financial savvy, mm. very technical savvy. Basically, you have to learn anything from math, finance, economy, to modeling. So that requires coding. I see. You know, so you have, you need to learn to do financial analysis in, for big insurance company. That's the most simple way to explain that job. Yeah, I, I, Um, now it's clear for me as well. (laughs) (laughs) Personally, I don't love that job. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just my way of making money. Yes. I keep, I have huge respect for actuary, okay? Because it's a tough profession. Mm. You have to pass a very vigorous series exam to become certified actuary. So you have to work full time and take exam at the same time. Wow. Yeah, um, so it's super tough. During that time, I barely sleep like wow. two or three hours per day. But we were young, so who care, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I have massive amount of respect for uh, my fellow actuaries. Yet at the same time, I felt like I sold my soul to the devil, Uh you know, uh because I felt like what I created was virtual value. But it's okay, because I know exactly what it was when I went to it, went for it. But it's a way for me to create a well-balanced financial situation for myself. Yeah. So then I don't have to worry about taking care of myself or being hungry again like <laughs> when I was in South Africa. Yeah. Right. So what you you said the whole process was quite tough. So what would you tell yourself if you wanted to quit? I'm like I need to get rich, man. I was so pragmatic because I was very focused. I need to get this done. Mm. There's days that I could not really see very well because my eye was so blurry oh, from wow. working nonstop. Uh-huh. Like I would have an M&A project for an actuary uh, company that would require us to work three, four months and uh, nonstop through the weekends. And I would have like three or three hours of sleep per day. So at one day, my eyes were so blurry. I could not see things this far. Uh And so I get worried. So only then I tell my boss I need to take a break. I would go diving somewhere for for like a few days. And then when I come back, I'm like, okay, let's get, let's let's try to be rich. (laughs) You know, so I just plow through it. Wow. It's a really sheer willpower. Uh-huh. Yeah. Then I reach a point that I can be comfortable, relaxed, and then choose something that I find that is more of my calling, education. Yes. Yeah. So um, that's how I went to Fulbright to help establishing um, Fulbright University Vietnam is the first liberal art university in Vietnam. Oh, that's a mm. huge thing. Mm, that's yeah. a this a very big milestone for Vietnam, and yeah. I, I'm just so blessed to be part of it. Yes. Yeah. When did you join Fulbright? So I joined in 2016. 2016, I yeah. see. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. After um, working at the... As a after I sold my soul, yes. How long was that period? 
to be in finance? In, yeah, f- uh, almost five years. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but very intense five years. So five years, and then the the years that you studied were part of those five years, or that's no, no. Uh, so the you study was at the same time as so as f- I was working. Oh yeah, so five years of like intense, intense. Yep. Okay, and uh, then you were yeah. so driven, like <laughs> you, I need to get rich, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah see, that's that's so nice. Yeah, I mean that's so tough. <laughs> yeah, like you had that big purpose, so you find basically your purpose very early on that you want mm. to be in education, and that's how it all started. Like you had the equation in your head, like okay, to to follow your purpose, you need to get rich first, and then you can do whatever you want like, to do. It sounds calculating, right? It, it, <laughs> It, it, it just feels yeah. natural. It it's feels, so, but I get it. Yeah. I get it. Like yeah. I think I I operated in a similar way. Like back it's. Then. Yeah. It, it, I'm so blown away. I'm so interested. Like now I've I've a uh-huh. few questions. No, because it's like the, in that calculation. So you. Um, so let me ask you more about the process of this. So you vision. Okay, I'm gonna go in for five years, and I'm uh, I I gotta get rich. Did you have a process in place that would go okay like? it's only going to last five years or you would review it every year or you would like talk to yourself or you would check in with your intuition or what was the process where at five years you went like, okay, I'm out. Are you out? Yeah. And was how that, much, was uh, that prepared beforehand? The f- not or at all. It, how did that happen? Then? Not at all. So <laughs> it is, it's, guys, I have to tell you, I'm some of the luckiest person out there. I yeah, think yeah. because I was, I was both given and come into opportunities that just make sense for my for me. Mm-hmm. For example, going to South Africa just because oh my friends go there and I like to help people. Let's just go there. Little did I know that oh my god, it's such a such a big thing. Big, okay, tell you this. It's not really a secret anymore. But the reason why I went to South Africa was because my crush went there. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. I, went. I went there. And then I went there and, you know, help all these people teach basic computer stuff. And I'm like, holy cow, forget my crush. I <laughs> see. My calling. I see. Yeah. You know? So, and that's how I, I'm like, just try to finish school very early. I finished college in three years instead mm. of four years. Mm-hmm. I finished very early and like okay, I need to go back there yes. um, to start the the project of making that program a self sustainable program. Mm-hmm. So it just happened. <laughs> I don't I really don't plan for any of that. It just happened. But it's just like more like my logic in the sense of okay, I want to go there to help people. And the next thing I know, like, okay, I really, really want to make this work. So I went back to South Africa. I'm like, okay, now it works. But man, I I don't like to be hungry. Mm, you know, I never. Yeah. You know, those are tough days. Yeah. I cry myself to sleep. Yeah. Um, I'm like, what am I doing here? You know, what am I doing to myself here? I I would never tell my parents this story. Mm. So they don't know the story. They don't. I see. <laughs> and you know, South Africa, there's all kind of stuff happen. Yeah. Okay, yeah. It's, it's, it can be dangerous, yes, especially for a yeah. girl, a single girl there. Yeah. And I faced with all kind of danger, but yeah. that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. Yeah. But, uh, so then, it just it leads to another thing that okay, I really need to take better care of myself. Mm. So how do I do that? Okay, I need to get a, get a good job. Mm. Oh, okay. So what is a good job? And so I do research, studying, and then why doing the job? I know that my job was my mean to make money for mm. myself. Along the line, 
I suffer from mental health issue too because it's so stress. Yeah. It is. It's constant of work and study, work, study, taking exam. And yeah. then I would fail exam. Those are tough exams. I would fail the exam. And then, you know, you lose momentum. Mm. And so I, I faced with all kinds of stress at that time. And personal life was terrible, you know, because I have no time for my family, myself, and my boyfriend at that time. My health was declining too because of the way I work. When I have free time, I just go out to the pub. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like <laughs> you're in Singapore. Yeah, what yeah. do you do? You party. You eat. Yeah. You party. You work and go to the mm. mall. Yeah, you, <laughs> exactly. drink, you so, drink your sorrow away. <laughs> yeah, you go to zoo. You party. You know, and you come back and take shower and then go back to work. Yeah, yeah. it's very, very um, unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when I, I found my way to diving. I, I love diving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that helped me balance a little bit. But I know that this is not the way I want to live. It's not, it's not balanced at all. I barely have time for myself, my family. Actually, when I decided to go back to Vietnam, it was a wake-up call from my dad. I did not wake it up myself. I wasn't mm-hmm. as, you know, clear vision as mm-hmm. you guys think mm-hmm. that I am. I'm not at all. But I was so much rolling to the work. Yeah. My dad, one day, he called me and said, because he could not reach me. I was off uh, to Manila when diving somewhere. So they could not reach me. That weekend, there was a ferry that was sank. That, that has an accident. And oh. so there's some fatality cases. Yes in Philippines and my parents freak out they know that I went there for diving and they could not reach me mm. yeah I feel like a horrible daughter I always <laughs> make them worry anyway so so then finally um, I went back to Singapore I saw there's a bunch of missed calls from my dad so I call him and then he's like oh we just worry about you and then I'm like oh no worry I'm safe and then he goes I know that you know that you are taking care of yourself but you know your mom and I we can only stay around in this world with you for another 20 years max mm. and you know the moment i heard that it's a wake-up call i start crying non-stop yeah. and the next day i resign and then i move back to vietnam oh, shit. <laughs> yeah so i yeah. i really don't mm-hmm. in a way it's at the step but i'm not that calculating it just happened you mm. know certain time of your life there's a priority before that, my priority was to get rich fast. And then after work, I realized, my, no, my priority is my family. Mm. You know, I've been wondering, I've been a vagabond for too long. Yeah. <laughs> I've been living my life the way I want for so many years. Now I really want to spend time with my parents, mm. my family. Yeah. Mm. You know, my niece, nephew and all that. But the thing so is, like, if you home. haven't gone through all of that, you would not realize that... What's your priority, actually? Exactly. You have to go through that hardship, being Mm. financially secure to actually see beyond. You're basically the Maslow pyramids, the base. Mm. (laughs) Once the base is covered, like meaning finances, food, everything, that's when you can actually go beyond. Mm. um, And do do what's important. Exactly. For us at that time. It's quite interesting because I, now that you, because you've said the story in in two different ways and like the, the, the fact that you followed your crush and, it's 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 like it's it's interesting the fact that it seems that you were still aware of signals i'm just so lucky like Mm -hmm. all these things happened to me i feel like there's a reason yeah yeah and um 
it's just the matter of whether I take the decision to to take a leap. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. I take a leap several times. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people think that I make the decision so swiftly. For example, when my dad, you know, call me and we have that conversation, you know, the next day I resign. Yeah, my boss was so pissed. <laughs> He has all this plan, all this. Uh, mm-hmm. It's tough. It's tough. But mm-hmm. I just feel at that time, it sounds cliche, but I just follow my heart. Yeah. 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 And so. also what I hear that you find your purpose very early on. Mm. So your purpose is helping others in education. And how clear your purpose was for you during those five years while you were working. But maybe it was still in the back of your head. And that was that actually keep you going mm-hmm. all the way. And after that, I'm also interested to learn like how that purpose became stronger when mm-hmm. you came back to Vietnam. So when I came back to Vietnam, I actually worked first as a bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how I met my husband. Right. <laughs> uh, but throughout the time, I'm always with education. Um, I would take class myself. It sounds nerdy, but I enjoy learning new stuff. So I take class here and there. I would also teach people whenever they need me, like mm-hmm. tutoring them. Yeah. And also my family and my parents are wonderful. They often do charity themselves. <laughs> So my dad, he built a pagoda in his hometown. Oh, oh that's amazing. When he retired. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the pagoda was destroyed during the war time. Mm-hmm. And so I think I, I got influenced by him, actually, you know, to find a calling to help people. He built a pagoda so that the community there have a place to hang out, have some religious support. And right next to a the pagoda, there's a school that my family and I would go every year to give the students books, sometimes food, sometimes scholarship money. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's just natural for us to stay with education, to watch the kids studying, make sure that they have enough support. And, you know, so during working in a bank, it, it, it's just natural. There's always something to do with education for me and my, my family. And then Fulbright University project happened. And of course, it's a, it's a yes for me right away, <laughs> you know, to come yeah. and help building the first liberal art university for Vietnam. Yeah. Like I told you before, I've never realized the impact of education until my very first student in Africa hugged me and we were both in tears and said, thank you, Gamvang, I got a job. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That's a that's a defining moment probably mm-hmm. in your life and uh, yeah take you all the way here and you said that you are lucky but whatever you say like what I hear that you actually prepared for it it's not like you are sitting waiting for the opportunity to come mm-hmm. but you worked hard until now even before getting the Fulbright opportunity you were also really dedicated to education you had your own share mm. of the work. After that, I guess I create my own luck as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so Tracy is speechless. I, 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 I'm, I'm listening. It's, uh, those are the good interviews for me because I can just listen. <laughs> it's very nice. It's very nice. Are you still uh, with the Fulbright University? Uh, no. Yeah. I, um, so I became a mom. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, thank you. Congratulations. <laughs> That's my biggest milestone, actually. <laughs> I really miss sleeping, by the yeah. way. But uh, <laughs> so I became a mom last year. Yes. And then I juggle between my baby and my work. The school is now entering a very important phase where they're building a campus, the main campus in District Nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a lot of work. And then pandemic also happened. So there's a lot of things that make me rethink again. Mm-hmm. During this pandemic, me, myself, as a Sionese, I, I know, I personally know a few people who passed during this challenging time. Fortunately, my family, we are okay, you know. Yeah. Both in terms of health and finance, we are okay. So again, I consider myself to be one of the luckiest person out there. I become very appreciative of mm-hmm. yeah. my family and what I have. And so I decide, you know, my priority right now is to spend time with my family and then do something for myself later instead of helping other people to do build a school or build something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I like to take this time to just spend time with my baby especially now none of the schools open yeah and the baby you know when they don't get to go to school they don't get to see other kids it impacts their development mm-hmm. yeah and so as a mom i just try my best to help him to play with him to teach him this and that help him with his development so that he can be a happy child yeah happy and healthy child so i take that very seriously so right mm-hmm. now, actually, I'm taking a break yeah. before I jump into another project. I see. Yeah. However, my break lasts for 10 hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like how... I think how then Saigon to Saigon came during this process, like you was talking yeah. about taking a break, spending time with family. Yeah, that's the priority. And I, I know for sure that it's very close to your heart, that decision. But then there's the other part of your heart that is want to do something else. So how Saigon to Saigon came to yeah, life? So like all my talk to my boss and my <laughs> colleagues about why I'm leaving the school, you know, like he was just like, you suck at early retirement. Man. <laughs> I know. My early retirement lasts for, for 10 hours. Yeah. And so from Saigon to Saigon, again, it's a very swift decision. Mm-hmm. Around end of May, I know that the city is facing crisis because we just have the two big national holidays, the Independence Day yeah. and the Labor Day, where a lot of people travel. And then election. And then midnight of the last day of May, there's a new that, okay, we need to be in lockdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I look at the number every day of the, the COVID case every day. So I know that, oh my gosh, the city cannot really be as strong as the previous three waves of COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because I'm always um, into community service, right? So I pick up some phone call. I call one of my closest cousins. He worked for a hospital. What my plan was is to talk to him about, let's help people during this COVID time. But then right away, he told me, come on. Uh, I'm an F0. So he's a frontline. You know, he got vaccination. He's well protected. However, 
He's so exposed. So he got exposed to COVID. He's okay now. But right away, it kind of like, again, a, a kick in my heart. I'm like, man, <laughs> I need to do something. You yeah. know, we cannot just sit and wait anymore. I really, really want my retirement, my early retirement. <laughs> <laughs> But there's something need to be done before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, again, I pick up a few more phone calls. I tell people that this is what I want to do. I ask people, like, do you guys know of any impoverished neighborhood in quarantine that need help? Because right away, I I know the people that I need to help. Mm. The people who are in need the most right now are the labor worker, the people who live in some impoverished neighborhoods, yeah. who make their money day by day, like yeah. the vessel, mango bank vessel, lottery seller tickets. Yeah. Shoe shiners, you know, all these nannies, all these people who barely make any income. And they live in those impoverished neighborhoods. And I know the condition, the living condition in those neighborhoods is very tough. Mm-hmm. They're very tight. Yeah. yeah, Each room is very tight to each other. Like 20 rooms share one bathroom. It's very dense population. And people don't really pay attention to 5K. You know, they don't really wash their hands. They don't mm-hmm. really wear masks. So it's unavoidable that those areas got a lot of COVID cases. That means that a lot of those neighborhoods got quarantine, got lockdown, mm-hmm. like serious lockdown. Yeah. And so right away, I know that I need to help these people. So I pick a phone call. Again, I think I'm so lucky. My family, everyone that I know goes, come on, go for it. We support you. My friend, the fu- My friend, I call him one day. Say, Tungan, I need to do this. Will you? And Do you want to join me in this journey? Yeah. He said yes. The next day, he transferred me 100 million Vietnamese dollars. Wow. wow. I was shocked. It's a lot of money. But it's to tell myself that, okay, people have trust in me. People also know that this is something that needs to be done. So, okay, let's take it ser- very seriously and let's do it. And so as soon as I have a list of the people of the impoverished neighborhood need help, yeah. uh, right away I I buy a food package, food mm-hmm. relief package. And then my friends like, come on, can I go with you? Okay, <laughs> sure, come with me. So that's how we started. Uh-huh. We bought 40 food relief package. I drove all the way to Bintang neighborhood. There's a lot of manufacturer worker mm-hmm. living there. And then I give them the food. Mm-hmm. In those 40 households, 10 of them were F0. And then there's about 15 children. So yeah. for children, I buy extra milk for them. Yeah. So that's how it started. It started it's in early organic. July. Yeah, mm-hmm. very organic. No proper planning, really. Just like, okay, I need to do this. Mm-hmm. Get the money, help people yeah. out. And then suddenly, so I start with two person, me and my friend who come with me to give the delivery. The next day, yeah. another friend of mine who's a savvy in media. Okay, mm. before this, I don't use Facebook. But this girl, she jumped in, she helped me establish from Saigon to Saigon Facebook, where we upload everything that we do about this charity mm-hmm. on it. Yeah. So each time we drive to the neighborhood to provide food, we take the picture of the Receipt. Yes. 
and then we show it on the Facebook to make it super transparent. Yeah, that's yeah. important. Yeah, I think it's because there was a little bit of an issue with the uh, Vietnamese celebrities. Yeah. Just to give context to this, yes. I think it's there was last year Vietnamese celebrities that weren't too clear about donation money. Mm-hmm. So just to give a little bit of context. Yeah. So basically, yeah. last year there was uh, a big flood in the mm-hmm. central of yeah. Vietnam. So a lot of yeah. people calling, like, let's help uh, these poor people in the central of Vietnam. So a lot of artists actually, they were brave. They stand up and they, they fundraise, basically. And uh, some of them got more than 100 billion Vietnamese mm-hmm. now. That's huge yeah, that's amount of money. But the thing is, their heart is in the right place. However, they don't do it right. Yeah. For example, they don't, they don't make it transparent enough. They don't mm-hmm. provide uh, aid quickly enough. They keep the money for like six months later when the flood yeah. is over, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that enraged the public, the people who have interest in them. So exactly. myself, I know doing charity, you have to, because I have to fundraise, I have to be super responsible with people's trust, with people's money. On top of that, I was a CFO. <laughs> yeah. You know, I cannot mess around with money. <laughs> with the, okay? yeah. Yeah. And so I started something very organic. And then it just happened as we grow, as we receive requests from people like in touch with us by Facebook page and from Saigon to Saigon, our team start growing from myself and my friend to 41 member. Oh no. my God, that's so nice. That Amazing. consists of four teams. It just, yeah. it just evolved to be that way. Mm-hmm. four teams one team who's in charge of inbox of the facebook meaning that they take the requests of the the impoverished neighborhood yeah and basically do a due diligence mm-hmm. like we need to see the picture because we cannot go there ourselves so we need to see picture video of the place we need to see the list of their household we just need something transparent yeah, yeah. so that's the inbox team and then the second team's data team. Data team collect all this information, helping the inbox team to verify the information one more time. For example, oh yeah, there's 30 household, there's 15 children who need help there. And cross-check of the address, have we helped yeah. those impoverished neighborhood before? If we have, we have to wait for another two or three weeks before we can come back. Mm-hmm. Because there's so many people who need help at that yeah, time. Yeah. So that's... That's inbox, that's data, and then that's the fundraising team. So it's me and other people like, oh, please give me money, you know? <laughs> and then there's media team. Media team in charge of posting everything on Facebook. Mm. So 41 people, four teams. We have an audit trail. Again, financial person. Yes. <laughs> audit trail, we keep everything. We have a uh, safe drive for all those information. I keep all the paperwork, whichever the money that I receive from other organization, I keep the 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 agreements and then the receipt. Mm. Because yeah. a lot of association, they want to help other people through our organization, mm-hmm. but they usually just give money to a, a charity that's already been established for a long time yeah, yeah, yeah. with proper license and paperwork. Mm-hmm. My charity, no. We just started like emergency response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. there's no paperwork. And the office that was in charge of creating the license for the charity organization, they closed anyway. Of course, yeah. In the normal circumstance, it takes six weeks yeah. and a capital of five billion Vietnamese don't to create charity. I don't have any of that. Yeah. I don't have six months. I don't have five billion don't. 
This is an emergency response. We don't have any of that. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I explained that to those charity organizations from the state. So that's an organization called Vic Bay. It's a community of Vietnamese people who live in San Francisco Bay Area. Very successful oh. people. They never give money to to a non-licensed charity like this, but they make an exceptional mm -hmm. decision. Hong Kong Business Association in Vietnam also give us money that way. Without any license, it's just me. It's just my name. Mm -hmm. And I signed uh, the agreement with them. SSIS, uh, South Saigon International School, fundraised almost $500 million and sent us money. Fulbright University, my man. <laughs> <laughs> they are my hero. They not only fundraise, they donate so much of their network, their technical skill, mm. their, their social skill, everything. One-fourth of the members of From Saigon to Saigon come from Fulbright University, students, staff, faculty. That's amazing. That's amazing. It's an incredible journey. That's why I was telling you in the memo that I sent you, I thought that I was giving, but actually I received so much. Mm. Yeah. You know, the trust of people, the support, it's an incredible journey. That's why I see your story so strong and inspiring because this like a story of being at service mm. for others without expecting anything in return yeah i did not and, know what to expect mm. and then when you do that as from your story we can hear that you receive so much more back i do i do and you know like together with all the like mind like heart we can create something incredible in that 13 weeks of constant running for charity work, we help more than 11,000 households, meaning mm -hmm. more than 30,000 people of food yeah. and more than 10,000 children for milk. And a lot of those cases, I think I share with you the story as a mom. Yeah, There's a lot of cases where in those neighborhood, there's young mom who just gave birth stuck there. Mm -hmm. The husband are not around or the husband passed away due to COVID. You witness all kind of circumstance that is just so heartbroken. You never think that you have to come across in your life. But here we are facing it mm -hmm. during the lockdown and they don't have enough support or food. Yeah, And so this is a little thing that I think that together... I could help uh, them, but who knows? Like along the way, there's so many other people joining me, helping, spreading the word, spreading a message, supporting by not just the the, the financial means, but also emotional, and technical support, everything, so that as a, a unity, we could help that many people, thirty thousand people. Yeah, yeah. And how how did you keep yourself and your team? mentally sane <laughs> during this period it's it like was exhausted it's, it's so tough emotionally physically mm. how did you handle all of that we did not handle it well at the beginning we like oh we'll just have one or two neighborhood per week mm -hmm. holy cow no no <laughs> it comes to yeah. 500 requests from 500 neighborhood per day yeah that's a massive amount of work and even though we don't have to go there physically because we're able to create the network with the local grocery store that can deliver there. I see. Mm -hmm. It's still so physically and mentally exhausted. 
So, I remember by the second week, we were so tired. So, weekly, I have a meeting, team meeting. Oh, so, okay, every day, I will update to the team how many household we help today, how many children we have today, how much money we fundraise today. So, yeah. that's my daily update to the team. Keep it very transparent, even to the internal team. And then, weekly, I have a team meeting with them. So by the second week, my main girl, the media girl, the media uh, leader, she's like, excuse me, can I not join in this time? I'm like, how come? What happened? She's like, I just puke in front of the laptop because it's just so mm-hmm. physically training. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so she herself is a young mom. Uh, Our son is about the same month. And then on top of that, what we do we don't always receive praise and understanding from other people. Sometimes I would make some phone call to ask for help. And what I received was like, why are you doing this? It's so unnecessary, you know. People are not starving. The worst thing that one said to me was, you're not being fair to your son. Because they oh know that God. I spend a lot of time doing this charity, right? Mm-hmm. It was tough. It was so physically and emotionally tough. What keep us sane is that we have each other. And my backbone was my husband and my brothers, my family, who whenever I have I face with those difficulty, they're like, Who cares? Just do your thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we're yeah. here for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you do, you don't realize it, but you have a lot of people. And who care about the, whatever those people say? The reality is there's still a lot of people need food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, focus on the people that we care about and focus on what matters. And mm-hmm. hearing that, you know, we, we face criticism in our normal work, but, you know, you do charity and then you face criticism yeah. Oh, yeah. while you are doing good for oh, other yeah. people. Mm. And how insane is that? And, you know, bringing out your son... It's such a such yeah. a yeah. evil. Uh, yeah, I want to know his name, his phone number. <laughs> <laughs> Social security. I give it all to you. <laughs> <Address>. <laughs> Put him on social media. <laughs> yeah. No, the, the, should I, ignore those people. I mean, uh, exactly. Exactly. It's, they're they're handing you fear because they can't do what you're doing, and yeah. you know that's it's unfortunate to hear that though. It's, it, it's, it is. Yeah. It's, I'm my, sure. my husband said, ignore them. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I, I would just not able to help her. I just cry. You know, of I'm, course. I need to cry. I just mm. cry. And he's like, my mother, Teresa, it's okay. <laughs> 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 Let me take care of our son. It's okay. Yeah. You do your thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the only thing is they want to make sure I have enough sleep and enough eat. Sometimes mm-hmm. I work through sleep and eat. Myself, I tell everyone, my team, you know, when you're tired, when you're exhausted, take a break. Yeah. Take care of yourself because only when you are well, that you can take care of other people. So luckily, for the one people, each team has a very strong leaders or the inbox team has three leaders because the massive amount Mm -hmm. of work that they had to handle. So they would take turn, you know, uh, take a break, training the new uh, volunteer. So we help each other out. And then also by promise, 
we encourage each other by promise. You know, as soon as this is over, let's go karaoke. You know, <laughs> let's have party loud. Let's have barbecue. And, uh, qu- question for uh, were everybody in your team were volunteering their time, or was there some type of financial like? No, uh, it was oh, all volunteer. Oh, oh yeah, so volunteer that time. Most of the time, I first. Mm-hmm. And they themselves are donors or fundraiser. I see, yes. Each of the member of the team are the ambassador for what we do. Mm-hmm. You know, they talk to their family, they talk to their friends, mm-hmm. and they help us out, help us to be more exposed to the community. But also, there's some people who donate to us because both the requester, meaning the people who need help, mm-hmm. and the people who want to donate can connect to us by our Facebook Yes. We have yeah. we have different team to handle them, right? And so we have certain donors who want to know more about our project, want, want to know how we spend the money. And then as we show everything to them, showing that we're super transparent and responsible with their money, they start to send money, not one, two, three times, but one of them, 22 times. Wow. And then some of them become like, hey, can I volunteer too? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's yeah, one of, yeah, yeah. it's a beautiful story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the the good thing is thanks to technology, we can just stay at home and do all this charity. A lot of them live in Hanoi, mm. live in Guangbin. Some of them live in Australia. One of them live in France. Wow. You know, wow. but we all just like volunteer our time and effort and hearts dedicating to this project i think that's that contribute hugely to the success of this uh, project yeah Yeah. and so where is saigon to saigon going now so because i created solely for the purpose as an emergency response Mm -hmm. to the quarantine to the lockdown where people are not allowed to go out to buy where people who run out of money they cannot support themselves anymore. They cannot go home. They cannot go back to the countryside. So we help those people in those specific times. And when the lockdown's over, we also say goodbye to them. So from Saigon to Saigon right now is in standby. Mm-hmm. Right yeah. now we're just helping to connect. For example, when Rosie from Social Change um, makers. makers invite us to, so that we can share the story and connect with all the other good heart people, yeah. I love to do that, you know, because more and more people can join hand and help other people. That's a great thing. So that's where we stand by. Mm-hmm. But on the offline, some members of the team to get together and we go to a shelter in District 7 mm. to help the, the younger from those shelters. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think like each of the members of the team would help continue helping the community in our own way. Yeah. Maybe yeah. not through from Saigon to Saigon, through the food aid emergency response. By the way, honestly, I hope and ne- we none of us ever have to do the food aid in Ho Chi Minh City ever again. It's mm-hmm. such a s- sad thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I-, I just hope that the city will cover soon enough. The people will be allowed to earn the money in the right way again yeah. to support themselves and their family. Mm-hmm. So all that aside, from Saigon to Saigon is no longer doing food charity. But me and the team, we're thinking that we were able to build such a strong platform we were able to build a small name, even mm-hmm. though it's, it's small, yeah. but it's vivid, you yes. know. 
maybe we can use that as a foundation for something later on when the society need us when the yeah. people need us mm-hmm. yeah. yeah do you have ideas personally i want to help the children yeah uh, something with the children something with young mom something with education yeah because um in okay so what we did was not simply providing food aid we also provide a lot of ears and hurt to those people who was in hardship at that time because we listened to their stories a lot of them suffer from abuse yeah the mom the yeah. child suffer from abuse the children could not go to school the landlord kicked them out you know the the young mom who lost the husband was thinking about pulling the kids out of the school because yeah. they cannot afford themselves mm. So really it's not simply we just provide food but in return we get to hear a lot of those stories. It's the reality. The impact of COVID is not a short-term impact. It's not just food aid impact. Yeah. It's mental issue, it's health issue, it's unemployment issue, it's education issue. It will have long-lasting. Yeah. So in the future when I can regain <laughs> I need to have my retirement a real a break bit, yeah. a real break this time <laughs> yes. I like to help the children mm-hmm. uh, in education and uh, and when you talk about education is there there is the typical education you know math English and all those things is there another type of education that you can see mm-hmm. that would really benefit at least the Vietnamese young generation sure to me education in is not just about what you learn on the textbook mm-hmm. it's not just oh two plus two equal four it's about a mindset mm-hmm. it's teaching them to have a strong mindset yeah. to overcome difficulty yeah. life is not easy you always get thrown into something difficult that yeah. you never seen before The important thing is you learn to pick yourself up and overcome it. I know it's a lot for young kids, but mm-hmm. it's important to teach young kids to pick themselves up when they fall. Yeah, yeah. resilience. You know, exactly, yeah. resilient. So I, I hope to teach them to have a strong mindset, to be able to overcome difficulty, to be, okay, you might not do well in school, it's okay. Learn mm-hmm. to be a good person first. Yeah. yeah, learn to be a, a person that can take care of yourself, take care of your family. That's the most important thing. Be a kind person, be a good person, and then take care of other people later mm-hmm. when you yeah. have capacity. So that's the mindset that I really want to help the children. That's one of the reasons why some of us from Saigon to Saigon mm-hmm. team went to the shelter. Yeah, It was a shelter nurturing abused children. Yeah, We go there hoping that they can learn to be confident again learn to defend for themselves learn to have a purpose have a goal in life mm-hmm. you know of course there's a difficulty but you cannot just drop the school because you don't like the teacher you know yeah. Yeah. you have to have a purpose finish your school make something good for yourself be a good person so that's really what i like to do it sounds big But I start with something small. Yeah. I start with, you know, just help with the basic stuff like food, shelter for the children. And then hopefully you can create something that can help them with their mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I believe that you're gonna go very, very far <laughs> with this project. I think it's starting from your experience from South Africa until now, like you you just follow your heart and then I believe that having a good heart and good energy is what attracted the right people in your life. Though your aura, your atmosphere, or how you say it, <laughs> that attracted the goodness that you have right now, all the blessings, your team for Saigon to Saigon. So I believe that whatever whatever you're gonna do next, if you keep being who you are, this amazing soul, heart, <laughs> energy, then you're gonna make it happen. Thank you so for much. Sure. Even though I already sold my soul a while ago, <laughs> I'm making up for it. I think you're making up for it. I think you, 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 yeah. We all have to sell our soul first to know how it is not to have have it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You, you, did, you did it with purpose. That's quite great. You, you've said it all. Everything is quite beautiful today. I'm very happy about hearing all of this. I, I, yeah. I wish for you a big break, though. Yes, yes. <laughs> what's I, I what's your plan it. for your break? My break is to just, you know, wake up every day hearing my son singing, mm. yeah. <laughs> taking care of him, learn how to design. Mm. Oh. This is something I've never learned before. I enjoy drawing and painting, but I've never learned like Canva and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I was so sporty from Saigon to Saigon because <laughs> I have wicked media team who do yeah. all that, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so I really want to learn that. I really want to pick up my drawing hobby again, pick up a new sports. I'm trying Pilates, mm-hmm. um, go back to rock climbing. I love rock climbing. Oh, yeah. And just connecting with uh, friends and people that... In the past, I was too busy. I was too consumed with work and did that. I did not get to spend time with them. So yeah. basically, just chill. Chill, yeah. <laughs> you know, finally. That's, I mean, that's a skill to know how to chill. Maybe. If you never knew how to chill, it's hard to be like... I don't know how to chill. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell. Yeah. So that's the skill you should pick up. First. I know. <laughs> like, I should, I should be doing something. <laughs> Yeah. If you know if, if any good place of uh, teaching meditation, let me know. <laughs> There is, like, who who is talking about Mandela Wellness? A few of my friends go to um, the Mandela Wellness Center. Okay. Yeah, yeah, in Taurian. Okay, okay. So there yeah, is, you'll you, yeah, you'll pick up like <laughs> energy healing. There is massage. Like, yeah, there is a bunch of things in in self care yeah. environment that yeah. you. If it, if it is a t- like right now, you do you consider yourself in your early retirement yet, or? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm quite comfortable, not going to the office every day. Yeah. <laughs> um, being able to just do what I really want to do, mm-hmm. and yeah. think about my next project. Um, yeah. I think it's such a blessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Again, I'm I'm just so fortunate and um. Able to, you know, do rock climbing, help me refocus too. I love that sport. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, me too. bring me to balance. <laughs> yes. Let's go, man. Let's yeah. go to rock climbing after this, okay? <laughs> um, and yeah, just uh, be a good mom mm-hmm. and be a good wife again because I've been, you know, I did not do anything except focus on charity for a long time while my husband was so caring and nice right. taking care of my son and taking care of the whole house now i need to do my yeah. part <laughs> i think we come to the end of the podcast yeah. but i got so inspired and touched at the same time mm-hmm. i 
there was a few times I was about to cry. <laughs> I think everybody. Yeah. yeah. So thank you so much, Kamban, for coming and yeah. Yeah. No. From my side too. Thank no, you. Thank you for having me for yeah. listening to my story. It's very personal. I but uh, I love to share the story if it can. Mm-hmm. Bring some light. It can bring some kind of inspiration for other mm-hmm. people. I love to share, and um, you know, in this holiday spirit, I yeah. hope you guys have a great, great holiday, Thank and I hope we can chill again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to Creators in Vietnam. If you like this episode, become a part of our mission to inspire others by leaving a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcast. Also by sharing this episode with your friends on social media. This one small act can truly make a difference in someone's life. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and see you next time.